not related to the podcast, but I've been listening to a few lately, and I feel like people who do podcasts, who are on podcasts, uh, want to be incredibly deep and intelligent. You know why? Do you remember when blogging became a thing? Yeah. And blogging became a thing for people that had never written before. Right. Like... So you want to sound smart? Well, I don't think that people... Like, I've written an email in which I was telling somebody about something. Yeah. Not work. Just right. an email. It's like, hey, man, I found this. Here's a link. Check this out. There's also this other stuff. I'm in an email thread with three or four guys. It's a sports email. It's re- like baseball-specific. We all live in different places but went to school together, played baseball together and stuff. Yeah. It's essentially a blog. But for people that have never done it before... yeah. They've never written at all. All of a sudden, with the blog, they've got to be incredibly pretentious. Radio people that do podcasts don't run into that issue. Because we talk for a living. speak all the time. And I notice the same thing. That's why you can't listen to podcasts about pop culture. Like, Dax, his is really good. Yeah. Because he's just... But the, so the, and that's where some of it comes from. Some of the people that are that are on his podcast, they do it. They do it. He doesn't do it, but they do it. But I think part of the thing that I about the blog and the podcast, they're these ultra Silicon Valley. They seem fresh and modern and hip and cool. Have you noticed the like? There's this focus on podcasts now in the last year or so, dude. I've been listening to podcasts for a decade. I've been listening to them for about six months. Really? <laughs> yeah. Like I've had. I'm such a radio nerd. All I do is I just listen to uh, radio all the time. Okay, well, check this out. The first podcast podcast I ever listened to was a radio show with all the commercials cut out. Yeah. Tony Kornheiser's morning radio show in Washington, D.C. I've been yeah. listening to that thing for 10 years. You used to have to download Howard. Mm-hmm. That's a podcast. Yeah. Can you do how is Howard a podcast now? Do you have to subscribe because he's on Sirius? You've always had to subscribe, but because I had a Sirius subscription, I had access to Howard, you know, that way. Yeah. But that's it's at least a decade ago. But yeah. anyways, I'm out of the norm. And now it's time for No, I don't live in my parents' basement. A show that covers comics, movies, music, pop culture, and everything in between. Here's your host, PJ Kennard and Adam Dellinger. Uh, all right, so we'll get to down to business. I'm BJ Kennard. I'm Adam Dellinger. All right, here's the deal. We have a lot of stuff to cover off on today. Uh, from we've since we did our last podcast, James Gunn is back in the fold. We're going to get to that. Uh, we're going to hit a few other things as well. But the first thing is that I feel super special for not being special, and I got to see Shazam two weeks early. You rub this in my face uh, like three or four times, BJ. If, if if you ever get to meet BJ, you will learn that. The first two weeks of knowing him are the worst two weeks of knowing him because you don't understand who BJ is. BJ, you have uh, an incredible enthusiasm for a lot of things. Yes. And you have a great zest for life. <laughs> I try. And you get super excited about things that you're passionate about. If That will rub you the wrong way, like right off the right off the bat yes because it's like bj's bragging but he's not he just wants you to experience his enthusiasm so when you told me that you were going to see shazam early i was incredibly upset and disappointed so i didn't even ask you why or how that came about and i really want to know yeah and so funny enough one of my new year's resolutions was to i don't call it to be more humble but I do get pegged for being braggadocious. You're not. And I'm just talking about my life. Right. And I do have a different lifestyle than a lot of people. I get that. Uh, I had a boss once 
who like one of our one of my radio bosses we had a guy in the building who made salary a million dollars a year and then with extra money my man was pulling down anywhere from a million and a half to two million a year talking on the radio every day right and so the lesson he told him was you can talk about the pool if you have a pool you don't talk about the pool boy right because the pool boy is unrelatable people have pools people go to pools not everyone's got someone that cleans their pool and so I do take a lot of that with me, but I have a lawn guy and I have a pool guy, and that's just and it's a wonderful thing in my life, and I forget that stuff. You know what you've got that nobody listening has, unless they're a in- pair of Shazam socks <laughs> that they wore on the news today. Well, no, I was talking about the elitist that may be listening to the the program now. Now they could relate to this, but you saw Shazam two weeks early. Yeah, and so here and and I did it through Fandango. Okay. And I don't know how I got on a Fandango email. I, I, I think it's just, I think anyone can sign up. I, don't, I, I think that's how it works. And what they do is they offer early access to various movies. And so I saw this. And I'm like, oh, Shazam. And, and, I, and, and you and I had texted back and forth with this. I really thought I was seeing it one week early. This whole month for me has been so off that right. I, I really thought I was just seeing it a week up. Then that made sense to me. And then I read some article that's like, the embargo is going to lift 13 days early. I'm like, 13 days? It comes out next week, Holmes? Like, you got it wrong, because DC embargoes the reviews. And for Justice League, they released the embargo the week of Justice League. For Aquaman, it was like 10 days out. They were so confident. And this one's 13. That shows the confidence DC has in Shazam. And so uh, I had just did my tickets that way. So I'm in a theater. There's only two showings in town. I did the 4 o'clock. On Saturday, there's one at 7 o'clock as well. And when you go to the theater, they don't put it up on the marquee of the theater. Like, when you even when you're in the theater itself and you see, like, Theater 6, Theater 7, Theater 8, and usually it says the name of the movie, it just says Fandango early, and that's all they have. So that way, I guess people don't sneak in. This is the first time you've ever done anything like this? Yeah, for, for something like this. Now, I have seen movies, like, when I lived in Atlanta doing radio there, these screeners happen all the time. Right, yeah, I've seen screeners before, I, but I've never had, like, this sort of access. So how many people were there? The theater was sold out. So really? So this one, I think, did 70. Cool. Or maybe a little bit less. Uh, and, and these happened all across the country, too. Saturday, uh, Shazam did $3.3 million dollars. That's and a strong take for that, an early show. Yeah, and, and that's, uh, to give you perspective on that, Aquaman, uh, when they did the same exact thing, it did $2.9 million. I would have told you way more people were excited to see Aquaman over Shazam. Sure. Uh, now, if you go back to I'd agree with that. to episode, is it episode two or three where we talk, where I get into Shazam? I think it's two. Just go back, look at the titles, and you'll see uh, that that you'll find that I'm a giant Shazam fan. And we talked about how DC gets it wrong and all that stuff. And how awful the trailer was and how we had very little hope for this movie yeah. at all. Yeah. And so here's the – because it's this is 100% spoiler-free. This is my biggest takeaway from this. This is not a kid movie. I thought it was going to be a kid movie. Are we – were we – entirely wrong completely wrong about the film uh, yeah i think so because everything that that i saw in the trailers my son got super excited about watching and i was like oh like it's a good it's gonna be a thing full of fart jokes and that's what it looked like in the trailer it is not like it i, I kept waiting for this to be a kid movie there's even a scene in the movie where i looked over at my son because there's some junk going down that is a strong pg-13 and I'm like, oh, I, it, when we were done, uh, you know, Danger, my son is 11, about to be 12. You're talking sexual stuff. 
uh, yeah, like full, no, no sexual stuff. Just like violence was. Oh, so strong violence. Yeah, okay. and this one scene, like they don't show blood in this movie because they, they hardly, nothing more than like a nosebleed or something like that you'd see in a regular film. Like even when Tony gets stabbed in Infinity uh, War, uh, you know, it's not, it's not gushing blood right. out, you know, as it, as it would in real life. Uh, but there's this scene where like some stuff goes down and I was like, oh, that, that, that's some, okay, that's, that's some business stuff going on here. Um, and so overall, I thought it was way above my expectations. Like, and I, I didn't expect, I expected to come out of it going, hey, it's exactly what I thought it was going to be. Uh, kid laughs, adults can kind of relate, but I think adults can relate through the entire movie. Okay, so I have a couple of questions. One, to go back to the Fandango early showing. Yeah. How many tickets can you purchase? I think as many as you need. I think maybe there maybe there's a limit. Like I, I would say at least four. If you're a family of four, why not? I only mentioned them because I wasn't invited. And then secondly, uh, I'm pretty sure you're probably busy that day anyway. Uh, I may have been. I got, I, and, and honestly, I didn't think about that because I am shallow. And uh, I apologize. Yes, that's BJ again. Uh, and then the next question I have. Uh, we will keep the entire thing spoiler free, and, yeah. and I'm guessing that you've probably done about as much as you can do on the movie. There may be some more plot type stuff. There's some like we get to mention some things. I want a score on a scale that you're comfortable with. So if that's okay. a five or a, a ten scale, you tell me. Uh, well, what do you prefer? Okay, so let's do a scale of ten because I feel like it's a little bit more leeway. Avengers: Infinity War is ten. Okay, one would be. I know it's a terrible. Spider-Man 3. No. There are worse movies than that. Green Lantern? Worse movies than that. There's got to be a worse. Oh, Batman with nipples. Okay. Perfect. Okay. Yes. No, I hate that movie. (laughs) I didn't even finish it the first time I saw it. That's your number one. I would give this a solid... Where where is uh, Batman versus Superman, do you think, in this? About a five? Yeah, it may lean closer to four? a no, or six. No, I was going to say a, it's between a four and a six. Okay, so if it's between a four and a six, then you got to give this between a, like a seven or eight. That's not very good. Out of ten? Dude, you're saying this thing's just above... Like a, like five is middling. Okay. All right? So seven to eight, you only got two more notches to go. Like, it's way better than Spider-Man 3. Which is a... Three and a half, four. It's way better than that. Yeah, that movie is terrible. Uh, you know, I would say I would rather watch this again than the Tobey Maguire Spider-Man. Okay, that's fair. And, but those movies haven't aged well either, so I don't know. I mean, it's it's solid. I mean, yeah, I, let's say a, a solid seven or eight, and I think that's being pretty good on that. My expectations going in, it was, was going to be a five or a six. If you were a kid, it was going to be a nine or a ten. Like, my son left the movie really enjoying it. Uh, but the the main focus of the movie, it is, and, and I think you're going to probably, the, I didn't read many of the reviews. I'd already seen the movie uh, when they got released like Saturday night or whatever. But uh, the couple of headlines that I saw was that it's very family centric. Mm-hmm. And it is. Not that you take your family to go see it, but this, the, 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 the theme of the movie. The theme of the movie is, is, is about family. And if you're a fan of the comics, you kind of know that. Billy Batson is an orphan and, and he's got his you know, foster brothers and sisters, even in the current comic that they're doing today, that's a big part of it. Maybe my question was two parts because, so the score thing's cool. It's a seven or eight. Depending yeah, on. and I think that's pretty good. What about the direction that DC is taking? Because this is the first movie that they've released since... Aquaman. 
Well, I was going to say since they've decided to scrap the continuity. Oh, right. You know, but the, the funny thing is, this was already done. It was written, filmed, wrapped, and everything. Yeah. But does uh, it lend itself towards Shazam doing anything else? Sure. Okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. They're like, they uh, a thousand percent see sequel in in the eyes of of this movie. Well, I'm, I'm, that's it, not a spoiler. Yeah. It, it just is what it is, a superhero movie. Yeah. Right? Yeah, the only one that would be do that is like Terminal Man. And you know that he's probably got a finite time where he's going to die. There's no character called Terminal Man, but if there was, <laughs> his movie is 6 to 12 months. That's a stage 4 cancer <laughs> man. <It's> like, <laughs> yes. Uh, right, that would be the only one. No, I, no sequel for him. Miss Ophelioma Man. I wonder if... Because didn't we discuss this on uh, one of the cast earlier... The Rock and what they were going to do with that Black whole project. Adam. Yeah. Can I ask questions? You can. And you're not going to answer them. Can't. Okay. Now, now is is The Rock in this movie? No. No, he's not. Right. But do you see potential there? Yes. Black Adam. That's what we're talking Black about Adam. right yeah. now. Yeah. And, that, and that's not a secret either. That had been cast. Heck, that was supposed to be done way before this. Well, that's why I ask you because I believe we even discuss that on that same podcast uh-huh. that what did continuity mean for the Black Adam film you know the cool thing about that with 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 Black Adam is you've got you can do anything you want with that movie you can go back to the very first part of when Black Adam gets the power and and maybe is good and or how you know because if essentially he turns evil right and and does whatever so there's so much you could do with that and he's supposed to be the anti-hero for that movie it's it's going to be dc's version of deadpool minus the snarkiness of deadpool because black adam this isn't that but the rock can have some fun with that you can do all that if you want i don't think they introduce him in this for a shazam 2 I think they do Black Adam, and then maybe once they introduce Black Adam, somehow they come together in a Shazam Black Adam movie. I always saw that relationship from the DC world as more of like a... Because they're so intertwined. Yeah. Like a Thor-Loki type deal. Yeah. You know what I mean? It's like it's it's more of one of those to me. Like I just hope that The Rock's still on board. I think he is. It's, also, I think because... This did so well in its previews, better than Aquaman. It's got a 94% Rotten Tomatoes score after the reviews were released on Saturday, which was is, is fantastic. I think this movie's going to crush, and it's going to further make Dwayne want to do this. Let me ask you, do you use Fandango to buy your movie tickets? I did for this go-round. Because I've always done that. I'm wondering how you ended up on this list of people that i don't know uh because i i i use fandango sparingly if i'm in a different city and i want to go see a movie okay. i will do that i do the same thing imax 3d I, I buy my tickets on the app i don't even keep the app on the phone i'll delete it and re-download it again yeah i, I, I got it on mine and then but for the theater that i use in town like i only go to our cinemark because of and we talked about it on the on the cast before because you get to pick your seats before you go but how do you buy your tickets uh, through that same Cinemark app. So I do it through the Cinemark app. See, I just wonder if they're tracking, somehow they're they're tracking data and they're able to see that you... Like this guy would probably want to go see it? Right. Maybe, because honest to goodness, I don't know, because it's not like I've only gotten one... You know, funny enough, I think the other early preview is another superhero film that, I, that I couldn't make. Maybe you use the same card for Fandango that you use. Oh, 100%. The, 100%. The reason that I, I mentioned that 
uh, was just for that specific reason. They knew that you would be inclined to see this movie, and that leads me to this point. I don't know how popular Shazam is as a standalone character. If you would have told me five years ago, which I guess is probably pretty accurate uh, as far as the timeline's concerned from when I found out Shazam was getting a movie, I'd say it's probably four or five years ago, they sure. kind of rolled out that timeline. There's no way I would have agreed that Shazam could carry a standalone film. And I still don't know that that's a thing. It'd be interesting to see. Now, I know you gave the numbers about uh, this early showing. Yeah, 3.3 million. To 2.9 that Aquaman did. Yep. Yeah, but how many theaters were showing it? What was the I availability? Think they, I think it's all the same. I mean, I think they do the same It's because it's just the early screenings that I will, they do. I will tell you this. Just going from... Now, of course, I've seen Aquaman, but yeah. the, the previews of Shazam... Those are not movies filmed, talking about shot, written, directed, produced in the same vein. I mean, DC seems to have gone a completely different direction with the Shazam movie. Now, you've seen it. Yeah. Is that accurate? Uh, does it feel like a DC movie? No. No, I don't think it does. Some parts do. Like, it goes dark at times. Um, and some of it has that sort of feel to it. But, you know, I, th- I think they did a great job with, you know, Wonder Woman feels like Wonder Woman. And I feel like I feel like we're going to be disappointed with 1984, 85, whatever the new Wonder Woman film is going to be. Uh, and then Aquaman felt like Aquaman. Like, there's, I don't know, just tonally. Aquaman is a brighter film. Like, James Wanley, like, it's visually and literally a brighter Vivid. film. Yeah, it really was. Yeah. Even the way, some of the filters I feel like they use, even the way, the smoothness of the, the way it looks and everything. This had the same kind of tone throughout, uh, and it really is a, sort of a coming-of-age like movie, you know, like like a, this could have been a John, this, this could be a John Hughes superhero movie. Not I see the look on your face. That's awful. That's the worst thing I've ever heard. A John Hughes superhero movie? If he was going to take a boy who becomes a man story. Emilio Estevez. (laughs) That's right. In a world where one man decides. I understand what you're saying. Yeah, like it, it, it could be, you know, you could take away the superhero part of it and just flash forward 15 years of this kid's life and see where he is in that moment and you could have the same sort of thing with this you are such a shazam fan i want to ask to that point yeah i want to ask this there has never been a batman film that i haven't complained about in some capacity except maybe the first tim burton movie well maybe both of the tim burton movies you know why because i'm like 10 right or 12 yeah but retroactively i can go back and criticize those sure. movies even the christopher nolan movies if it's the voice or something i think they're great films yeah. but i'm way more difficult and a way a way more difficult critic to please as a batman fan right because I can watch Spider-Man: Homecoming, I don't think the movie has a flaw at all. Yeah. So I'm just not as you know not as hard on other movies. You are like that with Shazam. You're a big Shazam fan. I am. Is the version that you saw in that movie, the version of Shazam at his peak, like when he figures out he's, because at some point in the movie, I'm guessing he figures out he's Shazam just before he's killed. Yes, I'm just, I'm just kidding. <laughs> well, it has to be probably near the end of the film, near the climax or something. He's the Shazam that he's because in the be. trailer we see them trying to figure out powers. Right. Do, it, does he pull off Shazam? Is it what Shazam should be in a film? I I think they pull off the DC version of Shazam. 
and I mean that from a DC Comics perspective on Shazam. Go back to the cast that we did before, and even in the film, the wizard Shazam, played by Demon Honshu, um, which, uh, as he's you know doing his thing, he talks about the wisdom of Solomon, the strength of Hercules, the uh, you know courage of Achilles, the power of Zeus. As he's running through these things. He's breaking down all the reasons why Shazam should be amazing. And DC forgets the very first letter of his name and what it represents. Oh, Solomon. The wisdom of Solomon. Sure. The, the rest of it, they got it on lockdown for days. But you're literally the first letter of your name. And the only S in your name is the wisdom of Solomon. But yet, they can never seem to write a Shazam character that isn't as smart as a 14-year-old boy. So that's the seven to eight rating out of ten that you give the film is just it, they they it really, fails as Shazam. Oh, you know, just but that but DC Comics fails at Shazam for that reason. They really do because you could OP him and you could overpower him and and you and he would be a badass. It'd be awesome because he would be intellectual and he would be fast and strong and all these things. But they just don't do that for some reason. Do you, uh, do you think that it's because, from a business standpoint, that you have to protect your most valuable asset? Superman? Yeah. I don't think you have to these days because there, there are so many other characters like that. As long as you write a strong storyline, then you, then you would have somebody... You don't have to put them in the same comic together, though yeah. they've been in Justice League together. You and I have talked about this time and time again... And I think that I literally just had an awakening and have figured out what's going on. Okay. You know, as well as I do, that from the Golden and Silver Age all the way up through, I would say, probably the early 90s, mm -hmm. there were unwritten rules for superheroes. Sure. These are things that you can do and, and you can't do. These are the rules you can break. These are the unbreakables. Marvel got out of that. Sure. And Marvel started just doing whatever they wanted. And I wonder if DC is a little more conservative and is still trying to play by those rules that they've never really been able to, to get get out of. For example, uh, The Watchmen. Mm -hmm. I always come back to The Watchmen. And it's a DC product. Yeah. And that's a DC-owned entity. But have you ever noticed that it doesn't feel like it? They don't really no, claim ownership of that. They're trying to now. They are now that yeah. it's profitable. And the same with, uh, say, V for Vendetta. Okay. Or the same as, say, Killing Joke. Mm -hmm. Now I'm talking about these like avant-garde comic pieces that yeah. DC owns the rights Those to. Those are all visceral comics. They are, but they never played by the black and white comic book rules. Okay, and yeah. Marvel figured that out and was able to show that and translate it into film. Thor Ragnarok? Come on. Yeah. I mean, that's instantly... You could set somebody in a room, you show them three Marvel movies, any three you pick of the modern Marvel timeline, you show them any three DC films, and I'll give you any era ever. Okay. And and then you show them Thor Ragnarok and say, which side th does this belong to? Oh, absolutely. Right? And you're going to hit that on the head every time. Yeah. Now, to tie it all back together... That's the Shazam thing. You're saying that the wisdom of Solomon. Mm -hmm. They can never seem to remember that. I, I feel like they're boxing themselves in, playing by those old, unwritten comic book rules, because guess what? In their world, nobody can compete with Superman. Yeah. The dude with the S on his chest can't be touched, and nothing can be more popular than Superman. Unfortunately, they've been living that lie for, what, 30 years now, probably? Longer, I bet. 
You know, think about it in that regard. Like, Batman, I would say, is way more popular. Like, if we just polled 10 people on the street. I think that's true. And I almost feel like DC hasn't admitted that. Because if DC admits that Batman is their cash cow now, then they shouldn't have any problem making Shazam the Who beast should that be. Shazam should actually be. Yeah, and that's always been my problem with that character. Because it's... I like him so much at the potential that he has, and, and I'll encourage you again to go back and listen to all the many reasons I have for that. But beyond that, Superman's my favorite character because of what he is. Like I'm, I'm, I'm reading the Justice League right now. Uh, that just if, if you haven't read Justice League lately, uh, you could pick up 19, which was two issues ago, and it's a good jumping on point. They they kind of did that, and Jorge Jimenez, who's one of my top five artists right now, is drawing it, and Superman is a pivotal part of the comic right now. And there's some pretty cool stuff going on, and we get to see some Justice Leaguers in the future. Uh, but Superman is always who they're leading with, always. It seems, you know, they're they're trying to do some stuff with the Hawk Girl and 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 Martian Manhunter a little bit. But Superman's always the the pinhead, or I guess the the point of the pin. That's the part that's going to go driving in first. That's going to lead most of these stories, and that's true for this one too. But I would love to see where is Shazam right now, besides his crappy comic that's out. You know what I'm excited about? Shazam 4. You want to know why? There's a Jim Lee variant cover, and that's what I'm excited about. I get to see Jim Lee draw Shazam on the cover of a variant. I'm not excited about what's going to be inside of that book because they have such little faith in Shazam that from the very first issue, all of his foster brothers and sisters have their powers already. So even though it's called Shazam for the comic, it should be the Shazam family. Well, think about it uh, in this regard. It's almost like DC has figured out that Marvel's not playing by any rules anymore. Yeah. And it's just a, it's an open canvas, and here's all the colors, and you can do whatever you want to with it. So instead of just dipping their toes in the water with that, it almost seemed like when they reset the comics, right, when they did away with New 52, that's kind of when they had figured that out, and they told their best writers, hey, go abstract. Okay. Yeah. And that's why you're getting these crappy comics right now. Putting Scott Snyder on as the dude that's going to write the relaunch of Justice League to me is a dream come true. Mm-hmm. That is that first 10 comic run or so is some of the worst Justice League stuff I have ever read. It's all over the map. It seems like it was written by a child. It's it's hard to follow. It's all that source wall stuff. Right. It's the the source wall stuff and then the idea where we're in little like mini submarines in people's heads. Yeah. That's real. I'm yeah. not making that up. That's in the comic. It is. And who's driving those submarines? Jokers in one, Lex Luthor's in the other. Right. And you've got this stuff that's just so far out there. They're trying to play catch up for 10 years lost. Yeah. You know, over the course of a week at a time. So I get that. And it's a shame Shazam's living in that world, too. Yeah. And that's why Justice League 19 is great to pick up on because it instantly becomes. It's relatable, and it doesn't have any of that bizarre stuff. Uh, A couple things that I took issue with with the movie, and this is nothing big. I feel like Zachary Levi, who plays Shazam, is, as adult Shazam, is being true to the kid who is playing Billy Batson. Asher Angel, I believe, is his name. And so I think that he is acting like Shazam how that kid would act as Shazam, if that makes sense. Isn't that a good thing? Yes, except there's the occasions during some of the fight scenes where I feel like Zachary Levi makes some really 
funny-looking faces during the fights. Like you're a kid and you're trying to look tough. Oh, but, he's doing that? And he's trying to, you know, he scrunches his face, face up a yeah. little bit, whatever. And I'm like, you, and, and, and part of that could be he still thinks he's a kid, so he feels he has to make that face because he's not an adult, but he is an adult. So you could go real meta with it we have, if you want. Uh, we've argued this time and time again. Is Shazam a different person, or is he a grown-up best version of Billy? He's, so the way it sh- the the canard version of this right. should be he should be an adult version of Billy Batson the personality of Billy Batson true 14 years old but the intellect of someone who knows almost everything that goes with that so you could be your personality look at uh, the Big Bang Theory the guy who wears the Green Lantern shirt all the time Sheldon Sheldon not a big fan of the show but look at him knows a whole lot has a quirky personality because that's who sheldon is you put that same intellect into someone else they'll have the knowledge but they'll still have the personality of that person not of sheldon but of that person so i think billy should have the personality of billy but should be a lot smarter than he is so really what you're saying is that shazam is the most perfect peak version of billy that could ever exist. Yes, and 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 even the, and, and not only Billy, but anyone. Even in the movie, they talk about you know becoming the champion, and you'll have all the power of Shazam the Wizard, and and the way they kind of talk about it, you you feel like he's the best physical thing of everything. He's the champion for everyone. And the wisdom of Solomon. So then he's got a real moral compass, and he's always able to make the right decision. Supposed should. And then the, you know, the, the courage of Achilles that goes with that. So you would never back down. But, you know, he has to explore his ability to use these abilities and test those things out, which makes for a fun film and makes for the fun moments. I think the kids will really relate to it. And it's not so weird that the, that the parents would get or an adult would go, yawn, this is boring. What, so it definitely exceeded my expectations. What's the most important part of any superhero film, a viable villain? Oh, yeah. And, and I think they did a good job. Uh, Mark Strong plays uh, Dr. Savannah. And though I don't think they ever refer to him as doctor in this, but he typically it's Dr. Savannah. Oh, I love that when we rewrite characters for the movie for, you know, Hollywood yeah. purposes. And, and I think he does, uh, like, you without a doubt know where he's coming from and you understand what he's doing. And, and so I think that helps a lot because sometimes there's some of these kind of vague villains and like, you know, like Bane, for instance, like in that movie, I get you wanted to call some anarchy, but what, give, give me the real backstory as to why, like, you know, how are you feeling today? Like you get it from the very onset of, uh, of introducing that character to the very, very, you know, end of the movie, you kind of knew where that line was going. So that was good. I thought Mark Strong did a good job with it. The effects are pretty solid. There's a couple of spots where it looks like they could have spent, excuse me, a couple more bucks and made the flying look a little bit better. Because there's a scene, even even my son had called out, like, that didn't look very real. Like, he's supposed to be floating at one point, Shazam is. And uh, and it didn't didn't look, I I feel like somebody I know could make it in After Effects. Uh. Vaguely. I mean, it's way better than something that, that you and I could ever do. But there's just a couple of moments like that. Uh, it does have laughs, which is good. And they definitely, and I, I'm not going to give you any of these, but they give you some nods to a handful of things in this movie. 
If you're a movie fan, you're going to get some of the nods. If you're a Shazam fan, you're going to get a couple of the nods. If you're just a like a superhero fan, you'll get some. There's one in there that I wish I could talk about. We're going to have to wait just a couple of weeks or whatever that I was like, oh, snap. You see what I see? And I, and I did not mention it to my son yet, but I, I need to bring it up to him to see if he noticed it too. But I'm almost, I'm, I'm like 99% sure what I saw is what it is. I La- know that's vague. Last question. Okay. That I have. I mean, feel free to go forever. Uh, do you feel positive about the direction that DC's going after this movie? And, and we'll tandem this with Aquaman. I think they, yeah, I definitely feel like they're in the right direction. I, st- I still think this movie was done and done as Aquaman was kind of turning as well. So I feel like these were both, I think James Wan and, and, and Sandberg, who did this movie, I think that's his name, uh, were given a direction and they said, you know, go do this. And for Aquaman, it crushed and did really well. I think we'll see it will do well with Shazam. So then I think it'll further keep turning that wheel towards Marvel on how they're doing it. Well, do you remember like Ben Affleck out as Batman? Mm-hmm. Like he's not going to do Batman anymore. We got an official release on that like recently, yeah. but really we had been hearing about that for a while. Yeah, like I just kind of assumed at least a year ago or more that Ben Affleck wasn't doing Batman anymore. Yeah. So that's why I ask about the direction DC's going in now because even though we just found out that they're going to discontinue the continuity. Right. That was a decision that was made in a boardroom probably a year ago. Yeah, probably so. Right. And, you know, so, you know, Shazam doesn't have to tie into anything. You right. know, Shazam can live in its own world and, and, and that sort of thing, and that would be fine. Uh, you know, for the Matt Reeves Batman movie that, that Ben Affleck is no longer directing or even in, now they're talking about that's going to be uh, probably taking place in the 90s. So it's not even going to be, you know, something that's right now. Where did the first Wonder Woman take place? Back in the day. Where's the second Wonder Woman movie taking place? In the 80s. Batman's going to take place in the 90s. So they could leave it to where Shazam and Superman are our heroes for today, maybe. Well, that's one thing that Hollywood does different than the comic book world. There is just as much money to be made off of the same number of one-off films Mm -hmm. as there are in said number of films that are continuing the same storyline. And I just don't... You don't force yourself into a sequel. And just because Marvel's done a really great job with it and they've got this whole universe that all ties together and is woven together, it's obviously proven to be very difficult or every other filmmaker would be doing it with whatever fantasy universe they wanted to license or use. Yeah, Just as much money. Batman is a 90s film. I'm there. Sure. I'm going to that. If Batman's If Batman's on the marquee, I'm there. Yeah. You know, and I feel like that's, you know, millions of other people, too. No, so no, I'm I, happy with it. I'm with you. And then if they turned around and the next movie they released was Justice League versus uh, Darkseid. Right. I'm also there. I just went and saw a movie that I wasn't quite sure I was going to like because I thought my son was going to like it more. And for the record, Danger loved the heck out of that movie. Loved it. Like, he really did. And I and I really enjoyed it. Now I kind of go to, I want to go back and watch it again because I went in with such low expectations so I think it, it couldn't have helped but been, been above that. So now that I've seen it, now I want to go do it again because my wife didn't go and my daughter didn't go. But this is one of those where I don't think my daughter goes to it. But I think my wife, after our reviews at the house, I think I think she would go do it. So I would go see it again. I will agree with your assessment there, your last statement, because I feel like you were more excited about 
seeing a superhero film two weeks early, yeah, you were more excited about that than the fact that you were actually going to see Shazam, who is your favorite superhero. Yeah, that's true. No, I was just geeked that I yeah, because and and really as it started, I was I get that that giddiness, the same thing I just had a couple of weeks ago. You know, like it's just something just feels cool about that stuff. So I was very excited to do. But that. now that you know that it's Shazam, your favorite hero, and that it's a movie you were pleased with, I feel like watching it again at the theaters is a, you know ultimately a win. You can get excited. Yeah, I can and and see and uh, then uh, since our last podcast, we get to get excited about another movie we might not have been as excited about before, which is Guardians of the Galaxy three because Disney figured out that maybe they were a little wrong in this and they hired James Gunn back. We did an entire podcast where we probably spent a half hour talking about James Gunn and what DC was going to be able to do with him. We wrapped, released the podcast, and a couple hours later, after the thing went... Now, we recorded that on a Sunday. Yeah. That news came out on a Monday. Yeah. We released the podcast on a Monday, and a couple hours later, all of a sudden, James Gunn is back in Guardians. You know what? Let me speak about this from a societal standpoint. Mm Mm-hmm. To start with, I hope we see more of this. That you know, people get their jobs back for being fired for doing something goofy. Yeah. We've gone Salem witch witch on a lot of people with a lot of different issues, and this could be groundbreaking because Disney Disney's usually ironclad. No kidding. You lose your gig there, and you don't get it back. Yeah, I'm stoked about this dude. Yeah, and I and I think maybe it's because. Number one, James Gunn had written the script Mm -hmm. that they were going to use. It's also been stated in the past that, yes, the script is there, but it's James Gunn's magic on the spot, on the set, that really kind of makes these movies what they are. He had an influence on the last Avengers movie. Mm -hmm. Uh, So maybe they had this script and looking at it going, yeah, let's see if we can make this work, realizing we may not be able to make this work. Uh, What did anybody else do? You are we nothing very good oh uh so let give me the best thing you got let's see maybe they read it and it's crap and they're like all right so we got to use this script and then maybe they just buckled and said if we want this thing to work we got to use it it reminds me of the story you tell about the radio guy you used to work with uh who's still in radio he's one of those people where you've always told me if he left like he decided to quit that the radio station would basically go oh, dark because yes. no, he does. Nobody else knows how to do what he That's does. True, yeah, he knows. It's everything. the same thing. Yeah, that is true. He uh, actually did get let go, and they hired him back <laughs> the next day because no one could do what he was supposed to do. So maybe that's the James Gunn secret. Well, think about this too with the James Gunn story. It's rare in Hollywood that you see a director get let go, and then basically the entire cast speaks out publicly about it all of them like you might get like the lead Mm -hmm. from the project that'll speak out and be like yeah we're disappointed we wish him the best that wasn't this that was hey this dude dave bautista came out and was like this is garbage i don't want to do this anymore yeah so that's pretty interesting too and think about this for a minute you're contractually obligated to make a film and let's say you're somebody like dave bautista and you've signed up and you are obligated to do uh, whatever his contract says. You signed up to do this movie X. Let's say you and I are cast to do the next Clint Eastwood movie. He's written it, he's directing it, and I'm like all on board because Clint Eastwood wins Oscars and I'm finished. Well, Clint Eastwood gets fired for talking to a chair at another political rally or something, Mm -hmm. right? And then they hire Jonah Hill. 
Sweet. Well, <laughs> I didn't sign up yeah. and sign this contract to do a movie for Jonah Hill. Yeah. I signed up to do it for Clint Eastwood. This is the superhero version of that. I yeah, because like. he has made his mark, and he did have all of them, enough that all the cast got together, all of them, you know, his brother, Michael Rooker, every one of them, and signed it at the bottom and all, all those things to show their support for him and that the man that you have fired is not the man you think you fired. Right. You looked at that guy from 10 years ago or even longer whenever those tweets came out that were written and tweeted specifically to offend because it's a it's something that he was doing with other comedians to trying to offend them. Back then, we didn't tweet as much as we tweet today. We don't realize that anybody who subscribes can see it or any of that stuff. You just think you're talking to that person. So if, let's say, you love racist jokes and your friend loves racist jokes, and like, I, uh, disclosure, I grew up and my, my grandfather passed away before I was born on my mom's side. And the only person I ever knew as my grandfather was Jack. Jack was a leathery-skinned, uh, racist redneck who would, uh, when I would, when I'd go over to my grandmother's trailer that she and Jack lived in, now they're married and I just called him Jack. He, it, you know, my parents may be talking to my grandmother in the kitchen, whose name is Bootsy. And, uh, so then I'm sitting next to Jack and Jack would always have a cigarette in his hand and he would take it and he would stick it between his fingers and go, want to hear a joke? And then exhale as he's saying it. And I knew what was coming next was some of the most racist jokes you'd ever hear in your life. And because it's coming from Jack, who I find to be funny, and I'm like seven or eight, you know what I did? I laughed at those jokes because they were funny coming out of his mouth because I didn't necessarily know what the content of that <laughs> right, stuff is. Right, it wasn't the content. So, well, so now you're James Gunn. Yeah, same deal. You're talking to someone who you find funny or they find you funny, and you're throwing this crazy racist whatever it happens to be stuff out there to make that person laugh now granted did jack my god my grandfather believe what he was telling me absolutely unfortunately did i as a grown adult now do i sit back and go i was a terrible kid for laughing at those things no i didn't know any better then then when you start to get a clue you go oh those were terribly racist and inappropriate james gunn has recognized that and said those things it's like my apologies like look i just did it for that person over there that's, I'm not that person. Talk to anybody. And clearly they did not, and then maybe they finally did. Well, we'll still go see a Woody Allen film. <laughs> that is, you know, it's like the weirdest thing. That is also true. Uh, so the neat thing about this is this also kind of shows us that though as fans we might have a Marvel-DC rivalry, it really shows that Marvel and DC do not have a rivalry because DC, like the fact that they that he signed up for that film again they're like that's great no he's so what he's going to do is he's going to do the the suicide squad it is not a sequel that's why it's not called suicide squad 2 he's going to do this film and it's going to be great and then he's going to go over there and do that film and it's going to be great and i think that as a whole is great they have to have non-compete clauses man they have to i mean, I, don't, I think at this point you don't let's say let's say you're the Celtics you get Kyrie Irving you want Kyrie for at least one year? I know you probably want him longer, but if you can have him for one, maybe for two, but you might lose him at the end of one, don't you still take him? Because you're going to put people in the stands, you got a shot at maybe winning something. Yeah, but terrible example, because he's not like taking his off days and going and playing for the Bulls. Well, I just mean because <laughs> at the end of this, though, you, you're probably going to lose him to another team. You're going to probably lose, you know, maybe he goes joins a LeBron in Los Angeles. Uh, yeah, sure. But, but you take him because you have the chance to try to do something special. 
and you don't have a lot of choices. So in this case, DC, I got a chance to get James Gunn. I got a chance to get Joss Whedon. I'm taking it. Or it's a scenario in which there is a non-compete, but because he was terminated, there's a weird deal going on where I bet you he does Suicide Squad and he never does another DC film. They will lock him up in that Marvel world. I guarantee you that's how this thing's going to work. That they might because Disney is like the movie mafia. And they bought Fox. Well, they closed on that deal. Can you imagine a James Gunn X-Men movie? Uh, probably not gritty enough. Why not? He's doing everything else. Yeah. Maybe not. So I'm excited to see him back in the fold. Uh, and so we'll do Suicide Squad first. They're supposed to be starting that production this summer. Mm-hmm. And then once that's done, they're supposed to be starting production next summer or even by the end of the year, they said, uh, for uh, Guardians 3. Is that a wrap on Guardians? Uh, man, you know, probably. Ought to be. You get you get a, like a trilogy out of it. Yeah. And then maybe you get a, a like an offshoot type movie. Oh, we get Han Solo movie. Great. I, I hope not. I don't like the uh, you that know deal. I, speaking of Han Solo, you know what I saw today, and I didn't realize this, and I don't know where I've been under this rock, is that uh, D.B. Weiss and uh, the other dude from Game of Thrones, the one that's married to, um, oh, I'm going to blank on her name. She was in uh, the whole 10 yards and the whole nine yards. She's super cute. Oh, I'll, have to, I'll have to Google her. The creators of the Game of Thrones uh, TV series are doing a Star Wars movie. And I had no idea. Just saw it today for the very first time. An offshoot? Like a one-off? Yeah. And maybe it leads to more, uh, but they get to do their own film. And Disney and uh, Lucasfilms are super excited about what they've been able to do with Game of Thrones, and they want them to do something like that for for Star Wars. That's ultra cool. And they want it to go back to the Old Republic. And so it's going to be like old school Star Wars. Well, that's the area Star Wars has never done. They haven't done old Republican film, and that's going to be awesome. Can you imagine? There's just thousands of Jedi's. Oh, I would. I've been dying for something. Like we've seen a little bit of those battles, like Clone Wars, and, right. and some of those scenes, but not the way, not the way it really could be. The way that it ought to be. Yeah. Now that that I'm on board with. So I did finally see that today, uh, which made me excited. Uh, I had just got finished reading an article about Marvel releasing some their slate of comics for the next little bit. So that was the one they did right after it. We know War of the Realms is about to happen. Here's two that I did not know about, uh, which is the new X-Men series. They're doing two. They're doing House of X and Power of X. So what they're saying, the second X for Power of X is the Power of 10. That's a Roman numeral and not the letter X. The neat thing about this, Jonathan Hickman's doing it. And I liked the stuff he did for Secret Wars and, and some of his writing. So this looks like they're going to try for this. You're excited for what's going to happen. That's July. You're excited for August. Absolute carnage. Yeah. Uh, I'm actually not quite as excited about this as I am the announcement involving absolute carnage in which we find out that Marvel's going to give us something really big in December uh, to close the year out. Mm -hmm. That's what the speculation is about, and that's what I'm excited about because I have an idea on what that is. You want to touch absolute carnage real quick? So absolute carnage is carnage is uh, just now coming back. And uh, David Benioff, by the way, and I know I'm circling way back around. Amanda Peet is the girl that I cannot remember the name of, but the actress. Uh, so uh, Carnage is coming back and is back, and they're tying him to Null, who is the the Venom God. Yep. Or the, or the symbiote god or symbiote god or sim, whatever you want to call it. He's them. essentially the slave owner that 
was a controller of he created them yes and then uh, and then controlled them after that and there's even a whole planet that's literally made of them and so the new carnage version of uh, cletus cassidy will be tied to that somehow but he is going out and finding anyone who has ever been touched by a symbiote and looking to kill them and absorb whatever we've now discovered that every symbiote leaves a little piece of DNA of the person. So maybe we'll also find that every person leaves a little bit of the symbiote in them, even if it's minuscule or something. So he's going out to kill anyone who's ever been uh, who's ever been uh, attached to one before. That's Peter Parker. Uh, that is Eddie Brock. That is all. It, it's more people than I think people realize. Well, that's why I think in December, that's when we're going to get the tie-in. We're going to get the Venom, Spider-Man, Carnage. That whole—that's what I think is going to happen. In so December. the big question mark that 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 Marvel put out for December, you think is a is a giant Spider Venom Carnage tie-in? Well, what have they done? What have, what is Spider-Man doing? Spider-Man hasn't done his big thing. Spider Amazing Spider-Man is relaunched in this calendar year. No, uh, well, the last year, but then you December. Know, the, the, no. The, what, the comic? Yeah. Amazing Spider-Man. Last year. Yeah, end of last year. Maybe we're, we're a handful of issues in. But there was the wet... The, you're missing the Edge of Spider-Verse, which just ran into this year. Right. So, the, I think we're going to get the huge Spider-Man event. Because I'm leaning towards one... You, you've had the famous family that's been back for for like four or five issues now, and nothing real genuine with them. I think December brings us a Fantastic Four event. You know what it'll also tie into? An announcement of Marvel doing a Fantastic Four movie. And, and Silver Surfer. I, oh. I bet we see Silver Surfer. Well, because Galactus is back in uh, in Fantastic Four right now. Now, that would be... I'm all about that. If Marvel can win, and they will, to do a Fantastic Four movie, it'll be the best one yet. Because uh, this will lead nice and nicely into our Power Five. Uh Marvel essentially will be rebooting their own family that they've never been able to do before. Right. The Power Five. For our Power Five today, the question is, yours is going to be a little bit different than mine. Five movies from the past that you think deserve a reboot today. Now, I I niched mine. So mine are like sci-fi movies that I want to see remade today. This comes off the announcement that Dune, uh, they're starting to film that movie. Yes, they have. And the cast is Jason Momoa, Zendaya's in that film. Uh, Josh Brolin's in that movie. Yeah, and you've got Timothy Charlemagne. Yeah. I mean, you got a guy who's Oscar nominated. I mean, you couldn't have a hotter cast right now. And that's just some of the people in this movie. Uh, and so this is going to be gigantic because uh, Harvey Bardem is in this as well. That was one of those. I never saw it in the theater, but I saw it on TBS because they would show it all the time when I was a kid. <laughs> but you had to you had to have like four hours or five hours of your life to watch this thing. I don't think they edited it for time at all because uh, usually what they'll do is edit out some of the stuff and then they throw the commercials in and it's two hours. Is that Ridley Scott who did Dune? I have no idea. We'll, have to, we'll Google that here. Uh, and so they're, they're remaking this and I think it is going to be... Uh, astonishing because now the way effects go, you can, I mean, for the time those effects weren't terrible, uh, and, and the fact that you've got this cast 
I mean, it's, it is going to be outstanding. So this is one people have wanted to have remade. Finally, it's going to happen. Do you want me to go first? Well, I will. You know, last week I was ill-prepared and I didn't have my list. And I think the week before that I was supposed to go first. Uh, I'm prepared to go first. Do if it. You, all right. So minor sci-fi movies I'd like to see remade. At number five for me is one that I just feel like there's potential here. I really do like the first one, though I never, there's actually were three of them and then some offshoots, though I never really liked the person who was cast in the lead role of this, and I'm referring to the Highlander. There can be only one. Sword fighting, and maybe it's because I'm also a fan of Into the Badlands, and Into the Badlands, there's no guns, there's only knives and swords and axes, and that's the way it is for Highlander. And I never really liked uh, the guy who, the, the main character who plays uh, the Duncan McLeod was the TV show. He's Connor Mc, Connor McLeod of the Clan McLeod. Uh, is it is that Carradine? No, no, I can't believe I'm gonna blank on his name. Uh, just because on a, it's he was he was the Greystoke, the Legend of Tarzan as well. It, uh, clearly not doing enough stuff for us to care about him. <laughs> uh, so I think a Highlander movie would do could as a reboot could do well. I think today you could jazz it up and it would be pretty slick. So that's my number five. The rest of these, I don't necessarily know if I have an order to it. I would love, love, love to see a never-ending story oh, yeah. reboot. Oh, man, that's a good one, dude. Can you imagine, like, I don't even need animatronics. You know, the fact that, like, you've got uh, so many things have grown from this. There's a band called Atreyu mm-hmm. uh, because of Atreyu. Uh, all of these things. I mean, well, even part two isn't terrible. No. But part one, these used to be such big, <laughs> strong hands. Like I love, I love all of it. I really do. Uh, Falcor the Luck Dragon. And if you could do that today with today's effects and with some kids that can actually act, that thing would be amazing. It would be good. I've got one on my list that's right in that realm. I almost put Masters of the Universe on my list. We could get a new He-Man. I, I would love to do it, but then I was like, well, who do you get to do it? You know who I'd pick? Jason Momoa. But uh, not, I don't want him to be blonde. That's no. a whole other podcast, but I'm going with a Hemsworth for He-Man. Oh, oh, <laughs> congratulations. <laughs> I mean, Thor yes. is He-Man. Yeah, or even Luke. Uh, not yeah. Luke. Uh, the, the Luke could maybe do it, Liam. but uh, Liam Hemsworth. Uh, also on my list is The Adventures of Buckaroo Banzai. You know why? The original Guardians of the Galaxy are The Adventures of Buckaroo Banzai. Peter Weller. And like uh, that, did you ever see that movie? Yes. That movie to me was science fiction fun. Like it was just, I didn't feel like it had a lot of rules to it. It was just this weird kind of Western space movie that took. They don't do that much anymore, like the Lost in Space type stuff. Yeah, I mean, they did the TV show Lost in Space on Netflix. Right. We, like if there's 10 episodes, we saw seven and yep. stopped. Yep. That's how not interested we were uh, with that one. So I think The Adventures of Buckaroo Banzai could do well if you do it in the vein, which it already is. It kind of started it, of a Guardians of the Galaxy. Uh, Flash Gordon. Give me a reboot of Flash Gordon. When you said Guardians of the Galaxy style, that's immediately what came to mind, Flash Gordon. And I want it to be real. As I want to hold Flash Gordon uh, in the regard of the campy late 70s early 80s yep uh, and and Sam Jones in that role I want that one to be the campy version of that and also I've met Sam Jones at he, the con here yes he is a delight me too he is wonderful I enjoyed every minute with that guy he's a gem let me have that film over there 
Now go over here and give me a real action-based legitimate Flash Gordon movie with a gosh darn real action star that could, you know, could be the football player who's now falling into this role. You know, funny enough, you could use, uh, what's his face from Guardians? You could use Chris Pratt. He'd be perfect. He'd be great for something like that. But he, I don't. He already is Flash Gordon. I know, so you can't put him in that. So you got to find me somebody else like him. Let it be NZ Sanzari if we're going to go from Parks and Rec. Not really. <laughs> no, I'm just, I'm just kidding. So Flash Gordon for that one. And um, I'm sticking in space on this one. I cannot believe they haven't done this film again. And that is The Last Starfighter. Oh, yeah. I will watch that movie every time it's on every single one and it's uh, what a great premise um i'm a big fan the guy who wrote um the movie uh, ready player one he wrote a book follow-up to it called armada and armada is basically the same thing except uh, the government through video games was putting out these things to find out who's the best uh, this video game does uh, spaceship fighter things this video game over here does uh, the mechanized ground versions of attack and both the games go together what no one realizes is they were doing that because an attack is coming we have made these things by you playing this video game you now know how to control it and when this attack happens we're going to go and recruit all the best flyers and all the best ground people to fight this armada coming I, our way. I think they're making a movie for that one. I think so. I hope it was cool. But really, when I read it, and I enjoyed the uh, Ernest Klein is his name. Um, when I read the book, I was like, oh, this is just a different version of the Last Starfighter, which is fine. But I want Last Starfighter again. That would be amazing. No, there, there's my five. Uh, batteries not included. Flight no. of the Navigator, none of those movies making the list. Uh, you know, I enjoyed, I would never remake uh, Batteries Not Included, but Flight of the Navigator has potential if you turn it away from a Disney flick and turn it into, like, you start battling. Anybody ever wants to do a name a Disney movie I haven't seen conversation, bring up Flight of the Navigator. Nobody saw that. I love that I movie. saw it in the theater. I wasn't old enough, but yeah. I had it on VHS when I, I was you. like seven. Yeah, no, I saw it in the theater. I love the things that he controlled it yeah. with, the two deals there. Sure. Yeah, it was slick. It looked like uh, just a, a silver bullet. Orbs, yeah. yeah. The, oh, the things he controlled with the little well, orbs? Just, yeah. just the ship itself, because it would change its shape a yep. little bit, but it would look like a like a silver, air, sleek arrowhead. And it was like his friend. Yeah, it had personality. It was like a whole thing going it's on It's like there. a spaceship kit. So here's my five. Okay. I didn't box myself into the sci-fi thing. As a matter of fact, when BJ and I were preparing to do this, uh, the instructions were relatively unclear. So I haven't gone straight sci-fi. There are some on the list, though. Number five for me, I've got four movies, and they're all kind of in the same thing. You okay. just pick one. Willow, Legend, Stardust, Labyrinth, like any of that era of of fantasy films yeah redo any of them and okay. i'm in i'm down uh willow one of my favorites willow's phenomenal ron howard movie yeah legend i would throw out but uh, it's good man legend gets heat man i love that and tim curry as the the devil in that or the satan character in that is the best right. and scary as hell now stardust is fine i feel like stardust is too new to remake that i feel like that just came out a handful of years ago, like with inside of 10 years ago Am I not? Isn't that Michelle Pfeiffer? Uh, we'd have to check on because I I think even Henry Cavill I think is in that movie. What about Labyrinth? 
Labyrinth a thousand percent should be on everyone's list, and I'm ashamed of myself for not having it on mine. Jennifer Connelly could play the mom. Yeah, how you, co cool you would that be? You the, the babe. What babe? The babe with the power. What power? The power of voodoo. Who do you do? Do what? Remind me of the babe. Who plays Bowie's part? Uh, oh, uh, wow. There is no. There's nobody. Nobody can do Bowie. Ooh, you get Zac Efron to do it because you need a good-looking dude. Got to be able to sing. Got to be able to sing, and he's got to be attractive. And I, I think he can pull that off. I'll give you that. Ooh, or do you get NPH? You get Neil Patrick Harris to do it. No. No? You don't think he could be kind of suave and, and that, that sort of Goblin King role? He's too old. I mean, David Bowie was probably the same age as, as uh, NPH right now. That's true, but David Bowie looked like a 26-year-old woman. That's also true. And, and Zac Efron can certainly pull that Absolutely. off. Absolutely. I would date that 26-year-old woman. <laughs> hey, Zac Efron. There's like a weird skin tone thing going on, too. It's what like where you're like a weird orange, like a burnt orange color. Yeah. Efron can do that. Yeah. Do you like those? I love those. Number four. Okay. I don't think this can be done. But I'm going to throw it out there. Okay. Once again, this is another set of movies. All right. I want a reboot of any of a handful of Mel Brooks movies. Oh, it's tough. I'd like to see Blazing Saddles. Can't do it. You can't, no. You can't do it. Uh -uh. What about um, What about Young Frankenstein? You could do that one. What? Yeah, I think you could do that one. History of the World would be phenomenal. You did a, you did a newer one. Mm -hmm. That picked up at like, you know, 1950. Sure. Like, how cool would that be? Okay, I'll give you that. But can you do it without Mel Brooks? Because I don't think Mel Brooks is really fooling with anything anymore. No, I think you could do it with his blessing. You know, we were just talking, funny enough, today at the TV station about uh, how slapstick just isn't around like it used to be. We were talking about, I love Top Secret from the 80s. One of my favorite all-time comedies is Top Secret with Val Kilmer. And then, you know, the Naked Gun movies. Or, uh, you know, Spaceballs, one of my absolute favorite movies. Spaceballs would be great Mel if you Brooks. rebooted that now with the newest set of Star Wars it's movies. been enough time. It's been 30 years. But I, the, here's the thing about slapstick. It's not that you don't see it anymore. It's so difficult to do. Yeah. I don't think that, like... People don't understand campy jokes that aren't necessarily dirty. That's got to be the most difficult form of comedy. Yeah, I feel like the last predominant set of slapstick films were the Scary Movie franchise. And like also like Not Another Teen Movie. Like those are all in the sort of same vein. Made by the same people, too. I think so, yeah. I think, too. So, but any so I like those. Okay, any of the Mel Brooks stuff. Here's another one, too. This is going to sound odd. And it's not necessarily the movie, just more of the theme. My some of my favorite sports movies are Major League One and Two. Okay, where the athlete is sort of the spoof, mm -hmm. and we're spoofing athletes in the eighties. Mm -hmm. Athletes have become a different thing now, dude. Yeah, and if you just wanted to do like a, a movie on an NBA player with a massive ego, or like a derelict group of football players on a pro football team. Yeah. You got to think about Major League too, man. I don't think you could pull off one of those movies right now because they had the license and rights to Major League Baseball. Yeah. Well, I mean, if they're going to make money at it, they'll give it, you know, like with the blessing cuz didn't any given Sunday have the those weren't NFL teams? No, that was based on the Miami Dolphins and they were the Sharks. Is that what it was? Yeah. It's been so long since I've seen it. Love that movie. You have to... It's kind of like The Replacements. Remember that Keanu I, Reeves movie? That's a guilty pleasure TBS movie for me as well. When it's on, 
I will watch it's it. It's because of that cheerleader. Oh, She's phenomenal. Yeah. I'm not bad at Brooke something, I believe. But a new sports parody type spook movie that wasn't just corny. Yeah. Like anytime they like the replacements is corny. I like the movie, but it's corny. And I don't feel like like Major League stood up. Yeah, because like, because Major League was a comedy. Yeah. And I know the replacements was a comedy too, but there's a dance number in it. They yeah. they are there, I jail. will survive in jail. And once you throw a dance number in something, you've lost a little bit of credibility. And they also did that thing where Gene Hackman's the coach. Yeah. And he's like a real actor. And he sort of plays the dry, real actor in the movie. And for some reason, that just doesn't work ever. John Favreau's in it. What's the same thing? Oh, yeah, I forgot about Favreau. It's the same thing they did with Gene Hackman in The Quick and the Dead, Mm -hmm. where like everybody else is a comic book character, but he's like this real. Bat. He plays the same part he played in Unforgiven with Clint Eastwood. Yeah. It's the same role. But anyways, yeah. that was three okay. for me. Number two, how about one we talked about today uh, after I finished my radio show today? Darkman. Oh, that's right. How about a Darkman reboot? Yeah. Darkman. I, I think that works. Yeah, Darkman would be awesome. Because the funny thing about Darkman today is it was so fantastical when it first came out. That technology can't exist. There, you know, So it made it sort of... Now... You could probably do something like that and make a face that's going to melt in a little bit, but like really have it happen. And he could do, if you're not familiar with Dark Man, Liam Neeson, the disgrace Liam Neeson uh, is in Dark Man. And who did we figure out made that movie? Uh, we were pretty sure it was uh, Sam Raimi. Oh, yeah. Sam, Sam Raimi did make that. It's yeah. based on a short story that he wrote yeah. also. Uh, it'd be difficult to make a comic book style hero movie now without a licensed hero i I guess because you're not able to have the action figures and the lunch boxes and all and all that yeah and you just said something made me think about this too i would love to see somebody do let's say if they did a dark man remake or something else but flip the script on how it looks in the vein of a a spider-man the one that we just did into the spider-verse movie i know that was a cartoon so you get to take some liberties but that thing was was filmed and so visually awesome like it it was very comic booky and we loved it for that reason i would love to see if somebody can pull that off with real people and make it look comic booky and feel comic booky without being cheesy right and that's i you know what you just uh described the dark man movie i'd like to see also too this just popped into my head do you think any part of dark man was based off of rorschach Ooh. I think about the similarities there. Yeah, he's kind of yeah. unhinged when his face is melted off. I could see that. Kind of wears the same outfit. It's like a trench yeah. coat and a hat. Yeah, or whatever. But anyway, and you could look at the blood spot of him uh, bashing someone's head in and and see <laughs> what sort of Rorschach test you get out of that. Right. But I, I see clouds. Oh, that means you're gonna die. Or or murder children. Which mm. is it? Um. And number one might catch some heat for this man because they tried it and it failed miserably, or at least it did in my eyes. I want a real Ghostbusters reboot. Oh, okay. No. I'm with you on that, and they're supposed to be doing it. I know, but I don't like the people involved. Well, it's Jason Reitman. Ivan Reitman's son. There's there's something about that movie where without Harold Ramis, like it can't exist. But if you but if you got Dan and you've got Bill and you've got Ernie, you don't think you can get that magic back? Or you want a full, straight-up reboot of it? I want a reboot of the movie because I played the Ghostbusters video game. Okay. Okay. All L- right. That's why most people want the reboots. Well, the Ghostbusters video game, I bought that for PlayStation 3. Dan Aykroyd 
and Harold Ramis wrote the mo- wrote the video game. Okay. They wrote the entire thing. It was a brand new story. It took place between one and two, I okay. think, or All either right. a couple years after. No, there was no Vigo. So it was between one and two, I okay. think. And it just wasn't very good. Like, the characters, they, they just didn't hold up. Like, yeah. it just felt out of place. But I remember when they did the female Ghostbusters movie. Yeah, yeah there everyone were, does. Well, <laughs> there were rumors before that movie released that it was going to be, like, there was going to be a Hemsworth. Do you remember all that? Yeah. It was going to be a dude cast. I don't want the movie to be funny. Yeah. I like, Ghostbusters is accidentally funny. It's awkwardly funny. Ghostbusters 2 was intentionally funny. Yeah. And it's not as good. Now, we all watch it because those are the same characters that were developed. Like, that's Peter Venkman. Yeah. You know, that's Winston Zedmore. That's why we went and watched that. And it has also not a dance scene, but it's got a musical number. And Jackie Wilson and a dancing toaster and the Statue of Liberty's walking across the, the harbor. It's yeah. it's dumb. Yeah. All right? I would like one that, that is reboot with with real people that, that could be, you know, like, you know, a Marvel movie has some seriousness to it. But it also has its funny moments, and those funny moments are, are genuine. You know, they don't feel forced. Chris Pratt, I know we keep borrowing him for Ooh. everything, but he would be Ray. Yeah, absolutely. Like, I've got him as Ray all the way. Uh, who do you get for, um, who's the next Egon? Is there somebody, I the problem is I got Harold Ramis in my brain, so I need someone tall and spindly for that. That doesn't mean we necessarily have to have that. Doesn't ha- you don't have to have that character, but I'll throw one at you. The main dude from Roseanne and uh, and Big Bang. Oh, Johnny Gugalecki? He could do Egon. Could. Would you do Sheldon instead? Why am I drawing a blank on that guy's name? No, because I feel like if you get the Sheldon dude, then... It immediately becomes campy. Unfortunately yeah. for him, he's typecast for the rest of his life. And he also plays that role no matter what he's doing. Right. Well, that's... For the, for the most part. Part of it. So I feel like uh, you got those two. Okay. The toughest one to cast... Bill Murray. Is Bill Murray, without a doubt. Winston hardly says anything. Yeah, but you can write more of a role for him. And maybe give me Jamie Foxx in that role. I, he could be serious and he could be funny. I see that. Now, who do you do as Vankman? Oh, the, the, you need someone that can really carry a scene. And I know this is like, I give me, I need someone almost like a Nick Offerman. Not Nick Offerman, but you know how when Nick is in a scene, he steals that scene no matter who's in that role with him. I don't think he's right for that role, but I, I feel like you could, you got to give me somebody like that who just steals it every time they're in it. Do they... You're not going to find anybody with the dry humor that Bill Murray... I mean, you're just not going to find it. Could you do Robert Downey Jr.? It'd be so unlike him, but like him. Oh, Because think about Robert Downey Jr. doing that test with the hot girl from uh, Charles in Charge, and he plays that role well. I think that... So you would do a little bit of an older cast, which is fine. You got Robert Downey Jr. as Vakeman. Maybe throw some Jamie Foxx in. And then, uh, then Johnny Galecki doesn't fit now, but you could find somebody older that does. I've got Rick Moranis. I've got I've got that role cast. Oh, okay. I thought you meant he was going to be in the film. Who who uh, who's uh, who's playing Rick? Steve Carell. Oh yeah, good score. Because he's the accountant. He lives in the penthouse. Yeah, you know who he's friends with. He's friends with Mark Wahlberg. You put Mark Wahlberg somewhere in there. Too greedy. And even when he's trying to be funny, like in Ted, he's still Mark Wahlberg. Yeah. 
Is then is he your new Vigo the Carpathian? Not not really as Vigo, but is, would he be the new bad guy? He could do it. Also, there's a human element now. Maybe so. That was part of the problem with Ghostbusters too, though. You didn't have just the supernatural with you know Gozer the Traveler. Yeah, that's true. Well, maybe he comes from a like, Gozer look like uh, really like a Ziggy Stardust in heels. Uh, you know what? It's funny you mentioned that because if we can find the chick that played, you know, the bitch uptown or whatever. Yeah. We have just cast for the Labyrinth also. Because the woman that played Gozer yeah. could certainly play Bowie in the oh, Labyrinth. Yes, no, could. But we don't know if she can sing or not. To be determined. I feel like we're onto something here. If Hollywood is listening, I feel like we've already kind of done the legwork of a potentially blockbuster Ghostbusters movie. Matt Damon would do something like this. Put Matt Damon in it, put Ben Affleck in it. Also... Dana Barrett. Yeah. Emma Stone. Ooh, yes. Good job. Yeah. I like that. I was about to say uh, Margot Robbie. Uh, but I think. I it, was going to say Margot Robbie just yeah. because I was going for the same thing you were going yeah. for, but I feel like Emma Stone can pull up. Do you remember Dana Barrett was in the second movie, oddly enough, she was. Uh, uh, she restored art. Yes, before she was a cellist or Yeah. Whatever. And I feel like Emma Stone can pull off the intellectual bombshell or whatever. Yeah, and I have another candidate for uh, Bill Murray's character. Okay. Ryan Reynolds. Ryan Reynolds is... He, he could do it. Ryan Reynolds could be Vankman. Isn't that Bill Murray's character? Well, you said Egon. No, I meant Bill Murray. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, thought, yeah, yeah. Okay. Yeah, he, yeah. Not Egon. Yeah. How much of a genius can Paul Rudd play? Paul Rudd might could do Egon. Sure. Yeah, because, you know, all you have to do is be nerdy enough. Right. And I think you could do that. Mark Ruffalo's doing it with Banner right now. We don't believe that... We believe that Banner's a genius, but he doesn't look all... He doesn't act all geniusy. Who plays Parallax? Oh. Uh, that's that's Egon. That's an Egon contender. Yes. Who is the guy? Uh, Peter... Is that Peter Skarsgård? Peter Skarsgård. Yeah. Peter Skarsgård can be Egon. And he's a good actor. Yes. Man, we're on to something. So if anyone's listening, we're, we're trademarking this whole movie right now. Is Ray Parker Jr. still alive? It has to be. Okay, well, he's in. Because my heart hasn't hurt yet. And then one day when he <laughs> passes, I'm going to feel that. Can Ray Parker Jr. also play Winston? <laughs> I, I do not think he can. And on that note, uh, this podcast is now going to be over. Uh, make sure you subscribe. Follow us on uh, Instagram uh, at NoBasement, on the Twitter at NoBasementPod.com, or not .com, whatever the heck it is. I should probably tweet something to make that worthwhile. Uh, tell your friends about it. And until next time.